Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out TheRestingPlaceTampa.com. talk about, again, what it means to be an apostolic family. I'm actually doing something I swore I'd never do. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Not including, you know, starting a church. I swore I'd never do that, too. But, uh, <clears throat> or preach. I swore I'd never do that. Um, I'm not kidding. Careful what you, you know. Um, I swore I'd never preach a message twice, and here I am. I'm going to preach a message twice. One, a message I would preach at a preview meeting. Uh, at our very first church, the Open Arms Church that let us in, talking about what is an apostolic family. And um, some of you were there for that, uh, and just, sorry, it's coming at you again, all right? It's a refresher course, and it's not exactly the same, but you know. Uh, we need to understand what exactly this is. You especially, who are new, if this is your first time to the rest of us, hi, we didn't forget about you, you're amazing, hello, we love you. Uh, if you have any inkling that you want to be a part of this, you need to understand You're not getting on a cruise ship. You're getting on a battleship. You're getting in an equipping center. We're not here to feed you. We're to teach you how to eat and get you hungry enough to eat. That's what we do here. Okay? We have a children's equipping center for a reason. I actually saw, we shortened it to the CEC, and I, on the way here, I was thinking, you know what, it's kind of like just, we should call it the Christian equipping center, because that's... That's what this is, you know what I mean? You're coming here to be equipped for the work of ministry. That's why you're here. Or that's why I'm here to do whatever I'm doing. So if you were here for some other reason, uh, sorry. But this is what we do right here, all right? So if you go away feeling like, I just don't feel fed, I didn't get enough of this or enough of that, that's not actually our goal. Our goal is to teach you how to eat and get you hungry enough to eat on your own. Because if you only eat once a week, you're going to be pretty hangry. You know, you ever seen a spiritually hangry person? I mean, a Christian? I mean, a hungry person. (laughs) Sorry. So, my name is Caleb, and I I am actually the senior leader of the rest of the place. I'm the senior leader because this is an apostolic family. I actually, if you were here last week, this will make sense. If not, you need to listen to the podcast. I actually don't have an office of of a pastor. I do pastor people, but that's not what my office is. An office is different from a function. Say office. And function. Everyone is called to function in all five. You're supposed to be apostolic. You're supposed to be prophetic. You're supposed to... How many of you, because you're not an evangelist, would say you're not supposed to evangelize? Raise your hand. Okay, right. So everyone's called to share their faith, right? You're supposed to function in evangelism. You're supposed to show yourself a workman approved, right? That you're able to give a reason for the hope that you have. You're supposed to be able to teach. You're supposed to be able to shepherd your families. You're supposed to be able to shepherd friends groups. You know what I mean? And so... There's the function of the fivefold, which is what Mark talked about last week. The function. Say function. And then there's the office of the fivefold. And the only difference is the office exists to equip people for the function. If you wake up in the morning and you're just like, I need people to learn how to hear the voice of God. I need them to, I don't want to be the one hearing God's voice. I want them to hear God's voice. You might be a prophet. All right. That's, that's how it works. A prophet is not someone who always is prophesying and it has the white suit and all that stuff. That's not a prophet. A prophet is someone who equips the saint for the works of prophecy. They equip the saints for the works of prophecy. An evangelist is someone who equips the saints for the work of evangelism. The office releases a grace for the function. Okay, so you have a natural function and we're supposed to awaken it and bring it out and release you into it. 
Now, the offices, the fivefold offices, apostle, pastor, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, they're all necessary and they're all still in existence. I'd hate to break it to you or I'd love to break it to you depending on your theological disposition. But we need all of them, every single one of them. Even this week, I heard someone praying. They're like, you know, thank you, Lord, for the pastors, for the teachers, for the evangelists, for the prophets, for the whole fivefold. I'm like, yeah, one, two, three, four. You know, there are we all five. We need all five. I'm going to prove it to you in scripture today. But you need to understand that this is an apostolic family. And what that means is a family on mission or a sent family. Apostello, apostolic, that word, it means to send forth, a sent one. Okay? And family means we're connected no matter what. So we say all the time, honor is not agreement. You don't have to agree with everything I say. You're not coming here so I can tell you how to think or what to think, sorry. You're not coming here so I can say, think these things in this way. I'm here to teach you how to think. So you can come to your own conclusion, which will be way more powerful than parroting everything I say or whoever is up here or whatever, okay? So our goal is not information, it's inspiration, that you'd be inspired to walk out the call in your life, especially if you disagree with me. That's, you're really the one I'm coming for. You're the one I actually really, you're my real goal, because the ones who think like me, it's not hard, but the ones who don't, you're my goal. You're the ones I'm, I'm pointing at. Absolutely. Absolutely. Not to convince you to think like me, but to keep you and honor you in your own conscious, you know, thoughts, even if I disagree with you on, you know, certain gray areas and things like that in scripture, but still equip you and send you out. That's my highest goal. Is this making sense? So a family uh, is not someone, they don't always agree. Any, any of you families agree on everything? Anybody, husbands and wife agree on everything? Nope. Okay. I didn't think so. So we are an apostolic family. So just say it with me. Welcome to the family. Say it. Because of that, we're going to do familial things. We're going to equip you in familial ways. And I have an opportunity right now to give you a family moment. Can we have a family moment? Yes. Yeah? Okay. So here's a family moment that might make you uncomfortable, but this is what families do. Family meeting. 30 seconds. Are you ready? All right. Because of our aggressive fundraising for our building, which has been awesome, and you've been so generous, and it's been great, and God is providing, and all that, I'm not concerned at all. Because of that, our general fund has been kind of galvanized. And we are short this month for our, for our overhead, rent of this place, operating costs, things like that. It's never happened. God has always provided. But I asked the executive team and I heard the Lord say, have a family moment, model it, and say, this is what we need. We need $5,500 to come in by Thursday in our general fund in order to keep operating as we've been operating, okay? Otherwise, we have to like sell a few kidneys, you know what I'm saying? No, I'm just kidding. We have a little bit of savings, but not enough. Just be straight with you. So... It's, it's one of those things when you, build, when you do a fundraising campaign for something, sometimes things get, you know, whatever. And we can't actually pull from that campaign into this because that would be a misuse of funds. All right? So apostolic families talk like that. We say, hey, we, there's the need. Authentic, straight up. That's what we need. And this is not a pressure moment. If you can't help with that, that's fine. If you can and you call this family at home, I need you to help because I don't have $5,500 to give or I would. All right? I just don't. All right? You guys okay? Are we still friends? Is it okay? Yeah, okay. So that's an example of what families do, right? Do families talk about money? Do family, you know, you deal with finances together in a community? That's what we're doing here. So that's one way. But even even beyond that, and I'm gonna that's like zooming in, and it was a pertinent need. Let me zoom out for you, okay? So there's a thing called denominationalism. Say denominationalism. It's I'm not talking about denominations, you know, like Baptist. Pentecostal, whatever, you know. Um, I'm not talking about that. 
I'm talking about the ism, the paradigm of denominationalism. It means, I can boil it down for you, it means we gather when we agree and we scatter when we disagree. So a lot of churches gather around what they agree about the Bible, they, what they agree about Jesus, what they agree on theologically. That is not what we are. We are different than that. We are not a denominationalism, we're an apostolic family. And it's almost the antithesis because we don't gather around what we agree on, we gather around like DNA. We gather around a mission. And the apostolic mission of this house is the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. And there's a lot of different facets to that. But we exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. So if your heart leaps for that, you can be family. That is the only qualification. I don't care what your views are on marriage. I don't care what your views are on... I don't care. Beyond Jesus is king, and that's the mission, we can be family. Hello? You, I, I'd love to break it to you. You're already my family. We're already brothers and sisters yeah. in Christ. So it's just about us hanging out in the same space most of the time. You know, that's all we're talking about here. But... We have to understand the difference because an apostolic family is a family on a mission. It's a battleship. It's an equipping center. And so I'm going to ask you to do stuff like go build houses for women coming out of human trafficking. That's what I'm going to say because you're a family on a mission. That's, that's the lost being found, right? That's allowing them to be found. And then once they get found, that's them having a place of freedom to escape from harmful conditions. And if they get peace in their heart, they'll turn around and give peace to others, like the one testimony we heard. That's peace reigning in Tampa Bay. That's how it works. It's the progression. Lost, found, found free, peace, reign, carpet, stay down. All right? <laughs> I kicked up the edge in case you couldn't see it. Um, so I need to explain to you what the word apostolic means. We've been, we've been saying that word a lot, and that might be scary to you. Uh, it might be like, oh, who are there really apostles today? Uh, there's a lot of disagreement about that. I'm going to prove to you out of Ephesians 4 that there are. But before we get there, I need you to understand that the origin of that term, apostle, I've talked about this many times, is not Christian. All right? It's secular. Say secular. Ooh, secular. Ooh. Ufasa. Ooh. <laughs> when Jesus said, I, call, I send you out as apostles, the disciples, I'm sure, had a head swivel like, say, whoop. Because they knew what that term meant. It's a term for the occupier. It was a term for the Roman fleets of ships that would come in and tell them all the way they're singing is wrong, the way they're eating is wrong, and these, these buildings got to go, we got to change all this. So let me explain it to you. This is historical fact, okay, what I'm sharing with you. An apostle, an apostleship was the lead ship in a fleet that would go to a conquered land. So Rome would go in and conquer a land. They would win the battle, completely decimate and subdue the people. All right? And then once the battle was won, say once the battle was won, once the battle was won. they would send the apostleship. And the apostleship was the lead ship because it had the navigator on it who would check the stars to, to send the rest of the fleets, the ships into the beach and onto that place. Are you following me? So they would, they would sail on a V so that you could look at the, the ship to your left or to your right or whatever because uh, the earth is round. It is round. How many cultural silliness things can I just knock down today? Anyway, so what would happen is this, this fleet of ships would come on and they would have the creatives, they would have the musicians, they would have the bakers, they would have the architects. And what they would do is reform the conquered land to look just like Rome. Because the emperor wanted to visit a conquered place, but he wanted it to look like home. The emperors, they wouldn't want it to go and like, 
oh yeah, this doesn't feel like home. They would want to feel like they're entering Roman territory. They would want it to feel like, like Rome, okay? So when Jesus said, I send you out as apostles, the disciples would have been like, you mean the guys, the occupier guys who are telling us we do everything wrong and they're tearing down our houses and building new buildings and stuff? That's how you're sending us out? And Jesus is like, yes, that is how I'm sending you out. Why? Because we are the Reformation. You are the Reformation. A Reformation is coming. No. A Reformation is going out from me. I am the Reformation. You are the Reformation. Your call. This is, this is absolutely true. But what I'm about to say to you is the absolute truth. Are you okay with some absolute truth? Your call is to change the world. Your call is not to sit tight until Jesus rescues you. Your call is to reshape the earth so that when the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Emperor above Emperors comes here, it feels like heaven. You're supposed to make the earth look like heaven so that Jesus feels at home. And Jesus is not returning until we reform the earth. You think we might be here a minute? Behold, I'm coming soon for the last 2,000 years. That's also been true. Maybe we don't have a full understanding of what that means. I can't talk about that today. Caleb, focus. So, we're to be culture shifters. Not, we're not winning a war. The war has been won. And we're shifting the culture and enforcing the law of the spirit of life. Okay? So, just like the Emancipation Proclamation, you remember that? You know, we're all alive for that, right? I have a few gray hairs to prove it. No, I'm kidding. It was a long time ago. Abraham Lincoln... And he set free slaves in wartime. And then uh, the 13th Amendment was ratified. Guess what? There were still slaves owned by owners. Why? It was illegal to own them, but they were still owned. Because someone had to come in and enforce the new law. This is what Jesus has done. He has set a new law. He has removed the legal demands of sin off of your life completely. Nailing it to the cross, Colossians 2 says. And now anything that's operating in you that is not in heaven is illegal. It's illegal. And we need some new kingdom lawyers to rise up and say, that's illegal. That's illegal. Here's the evidence. Look at the cross. That's illegal. We need to enforce the spirit of the law of life. What I'm talking about is in Romans 8, 1 through 3. If you want to write that down. Romans 8, 1 through 3. Okay? So we're, we're shifting culture. Okay? And I have to move really quickly. But an apostolic family values destiny, destiny within each other, destiny on a region, destiny over disagreements. All right? And unity over sameness. They're very different. So when we talk about these things, it's in Ephesians 4. And right before he talks about apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, he talks about the unity of the spirit because we absolutely need the unity of the spirit in order to be a sent out family. Because if we don't have the unity of agreement, we absolutely need the unity of the spirit. All right. The only thing that binds free people together is love. And unity is, is basically another way to say love. It's loving one another. Right. And so we need to talk about the unity of the spirit. So let me just say this to you. Our union with Christ is actually the foundation of our unity with one another. You cannot flip those things. You cannot flip these, this order. You cannot believe that one day I will be united to Christ and still try to be in unity with one another. It's not going to work. No working. All right? So, listen. The life of the believer does not end in union. It starts there. 
It starts there. You have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who lives. You are co-crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected. You are in union with Jesus on the cross. You didn't have your own cross. You didn't nail the nail in his hands. You were on his cross with him, according to your Bible. And anyone who tells you different is not adhering to their Bible. Okay? Listen, I don't care what the song says. You've been co-crucified. All right? You have been crucified in union with Christ. That means one nail, two hands on the cross with him. The moment you say yes to Jesus, that's what happens in the spirit. Okay? And now, anything operating in you like sin is illegal, and you need to enforce the law of the spirit of life. But if you believe that it's legal for sin to operate in you, that it's natural for sin to operate in you, why would you enforce any law against it? So we have is a bunch of Christians on the holiness hamster wheel trying to work at their salvation instead of working out their salvation. All right? They're just running like, I want to be holy. 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 Anybody been on that hamster wheel? It's exhausting to even think about. It. Yeah, come on. Come on. If you don't believe that you're one with God right now, you'll never be one with each other. Ever. It will not happen. Quit making it your goal. Quit. It's out of order. John 17, when Jesus prayed that prayer, which we don't have time to get into today. When John, he prayed that prayer, John 17, he said, I pray that they would be one. Even as you and I are one, they'd be one with us and one with one another. The order is important. You're, Jesus, by his act, made you one with him. And when you accept that act, you become, you're grafted in your co-heirs with him, your co Crucified, co-buried, co-resurrected, co-planted, co-seated, co-heirs. You know you're seated in heavenly places right now? You know your chair is a heavenly place? You know that? Come on. You're bilocational. You're a dual realm being. You're not a dual nature being. You're a dual realm being. You exist in two realms. But you've been brought to wholeness through his cross. So if you don't believe our union with Christ happened already, you'll, you, the rest of this message, is, it doesn't apply to you. You can turn your ears off. Stop listening right now. Serious. I'm not kidding. Go ahead. Just flip it off. So, 11 times. I'm, I'm, I am serious about this thing, man. If we don't start well, we will not end well. How many of you have seen churches start well and end poorly? Hello? It's because we got things out of order. You are one with God. 1 Corinthians 6.17 proves that Hebrews 10.10 says you've been sanctified. Galatians 5.24 says the passions of the flesh, they've been crucified, cut off. Colossians 2, 9 through 12 says that you were circumcised through your heart. Come on, by the circumcision of Christ, you didn't miss a spot. Okay? I could keep going. But I'm not going to. I'm going to stick to my notes. So, before Paul talks about the unity of the Spirit in Ephesians 4, he says 11 times, guys, 11 times in three chapters, he says you've been made one with Christ, joined with Christ, you're in union with Christ, one with Christ, joined with Christ, union with Christ, 11 times. You think there's a reason? Honey, over and over and over, and before he talks about unity with one another, he says you're one with Christ, you're in union with Christ. Right now, it's not going to happen, it already happened. You are one with God right now. Emphatic, three chapters worth. He needed to build it up. He needed to put a foundation in place. And our foundation theologically is right there. But I'm just recommunicating it for your sake. So the context for unity with one another is our union with Christ. That is the truth. So unity is not about doing the same thing. It's about doing it with the same spirit. Unity is not about us all doing the same stuff. All right? We're not unified if you all start preaching and grow your hair out in a weird Amish looking beard and skinny jeans. All right? We're not unified if you all do that. All right? 
That's not how it works. It's not about doing the same things. It's about doing it with the same spirit. We're not unified if you all go to Israel with me, which two people from the rest of us are going with me to Israel. I'm super excited about that. So fun. <clears throat> you get ready because it's, yeah, anyway. When they get back, you'll feel it. Um, so if we all just, you know, this is what we do. Whatever Caleb does, we do. Whatever Scott does, whatever Tracy does, we do. That's not the unity of the spirit. That's the unison of the spirit. Singing the same note. I'm going to prove it to you. So uh, Mark Tubbs, actually, in his book, he says unity actually comes through humility and repentance. It means you humble yourself to, to say, I don't have every piece, and I need each other, and I'm going to change the way I think about my piece, that it's the best thing ever. I have the corner on the market of revelation and church stuff. <laughs> nope, you don't. So the church historically has attempted to gain the unity of the spirit through denominationalism. Everyone agreeing, right? It doesn't work does not work. Ray Hughes is an amazing teacher. He says, we have traded the unity of the spirit for sameness. Yeah. Let's look at Ephesians chapter four, verses one through six. We'll have it on the screen for you. I'm going to read it in the ESV. This is Paul saying, after all the, you're one with Christ, joined with Christ, union with Christ, you have been made one, you're one, 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 11 times. He says, I therefore, whenever there's a therefore, you got to ask, what is it there for? Yeah. Right? So, there, 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 that therefore is there for you to understand that because of your union with Christ, now I can talk about this. And because of that, I'm a prisoner for the Lord. I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Here it is. Eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Let's say that last line together. The unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. We get it, Paul. We get it. Right? Now this word unity in the Greek uh, actually means oneness, you know? And it, it, it says in the uh, Helps Word Studies, it says especially the God-produced unity or oneness between believers or, check it out, the harmony from sharing the likeness of nature with the Lord. The harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of nature with the Lord. Now, I know what that word harmony means, all right? It means that there's multiple notes being sung at the same time and they sound good together. So, the unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. It requires it. Are you getting this? The unity of the Spirit, for us to achieve what Paul talks about in that passage, the word he uses for unity, only used twice, actually, in all of the Bible, and it's in this chapter twice. Ephesians 4.3 and Ephesians 4.13. It's the harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of the nature of the Lord. Now do you see the problem where if you don't believe that you're one with God, you can't have harmony with one another? How are you supposed to harmonize with someone else's likeness if you don't even believe they're like Jesus or you're like Jesus, right? The harmony that comes from sharing the likeness of the nature with the Lord. You are just like Jesus. You just don't see it yet. As he is, so also are we in this world, 1 John 4, 17. As he is, not as he was. Everybody wants to do as he was. No, I'm, I'm good with the as he is, the meaning I flinched my pinky finger and everybody gets raised from the dead in our community. Boom, there it goes. As he is. Not as he was, traveling around, located in one body, but as he is, all throughout, omnipotent, omniscient. I mean, think about as he is. That's a crazy statement. So as he is, so also are we in this world. 
So you can't harmonize with, you can't have unity of the Spirit if you don't believe that you're like Jesus. In the church, we've, uh, we've traded the unity of the Spirit for the unison of the Spirit. I said that, but I'm just reiterating it because harmony requires multiple notes. Unison in, in music, that means to sing the same note. You know how hard it is to, to sing in unison with someone and not sound pitchy? We got a pitchy church, I'm just saying. <laughs> just as harmony requires multiple notes, the unity of the Spirit requires the diversity of the saints. The word uh, bond of peace actually means to join together. Peace, Irene. It's wholeness. It's all essential parts joined together. So the different parts join together. It's not the different parts becoming the same part. It's the different parts coming together. Come on. Unity is not about doing the same thing. It's about doing it with the same spirit. So we have to let the harmony of God's divine union be our binding wholeness. We, let, we have to let the cross be our lens where we all became one but not the same. We became one but not the same. Say with me. We became one but not the same. It would be really boring if we were all the same. Hello? Come on, God loves diversity. So I'm going to read the same passage to you in Ephesians uh, 4, 1 through 6 in the Passion Translation, just so you have it another way, because I believe in multiple translations, because none of them are right. Uh -huh. They're all, the, you know, the inherent Word of God. It, there's no error in the Word of God, but in the translation of God's Word, there's a whole bunch of them. Come on. Don't say there's no error in the translation. That's not what the Bible says. It says the word of God is without error, right? It's God-breathed and useful for teaching. But that doesn't mean your translation is 100% perfect because they're done by men. Right? Under the unction of the Holy Ghost. Blah, 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 blah. All right. So here we go. Out of the Passion Translation. We have it for you on the screen. As a prisoner of the Lord, I plead with you to walk holy in a way that is suitable to your high rank. Give it to you in your divine calling. With tender humility and quiet patience, always demonstrate gentleness and, and generous love towards one another, especially toward those who may try your patience. Uh, 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 like all your Christian friends at work, have a different church. Uh, be faithful to guard the sweet harmony of the Holy Spirit among you in the bonds of peace. Isn't this beautiful? Being one body and one spirit as you were call, all called into the same glorious hope of divine destiny. For the Lord God is one and so are we. For we share in one faith, one baptism and one father all. And he is, sorry, the perfect father who leads us all, works through us all and lives in us all. So living in an apostolic family means that we do not run from disagreement. We run towards each other no matter what. We're not going to run from disagreement. Like, ooh, let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about politics. Let's not talk about abortion. Let's not talk about those things. Someone might disagree. We're going to run towards each other. I'm not running towards disagreement. I'm running towards you. And I'm the only person I agree with 100% of the time. And I don't even agree with me from a week ago. So it's really unfair for me to expect to agree with you on everything. Honor is not agreement. We say it all the time. The resting place will not gather when we agree and scatter when we disagree. No, no, no. We will gather around the presence of God, the like DNA of the Father, and the unity of the Spirit of God. Amen? Come on, you say amen to that. An apostolic family is on mission at all times. The mission is simple. Love one another. The apostolic family exists, this apostolic family exists for the lost to be found, the found to be free. I mean, really free. And peace to reign in our city. So we are, a, we are sent as a family. You have to understand this. And all that diversity to destroy the works of the devil. 
We're sent as a family in all our diversity, in all our theological dispositions, all of our disagreements to destroy the works of the devil. It's better that we disagree and destroy the works of the devil than we try to agree before we go out and destroy the works of the devil. Are you hearing me? Come on. That, it, it's, a, it's, a false, it's a false hope that you would all agree with everyone. It says, make it agree with one another, Paul says to, to everyone. But he doesn't even, he goes into context of agreeing with them that Jesus is the baptizer, not him. He doesn't say agree with one another on everything. You know, he went to blows with a few guys and kicked them out of his missionary trip, right? I mean, this guy, he was not saying agree with everyone on everything. That's crazy. So, we're sent as a family in all our diversity to destroy the works of the devil. Yesterday was the sin. It was an apostolic moment. It was ascending forth. I didn't strategize any of this. Mark coming, the sin, no more, this message. The Lord is, is shouting at you right now. Shouting at you to go get some revelation on what it means to be an apostolic family. So this, it goes on in Ephesians 4. I'm going to read 11 uh, through 16 in the ESV. We don't have it on the screens. Uh, and it goes into the offices and what, what these different uh, apostles, prophets, all these people do. Okay? And it's important to note that this is actually what it looks like to be an apostolic family. I said it at the beginning, but this scripture backs it up. It says, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until, say until. Until. So those, all five of those are necessary until something. Until something happens. Yes? yes. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Now let me read to you what all five are necessary for until. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To mature manhood. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Until the body of Christ is to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We need all five. According to the Bible. I don't care if it doesn't fit your traditional mindset. I actually don't care. I care what this says. I love you. I hope you know, like, my heart is not mad at you or angry at you, but I really don't care if you have another opinion that disagrees with this book. It's not even my interpretation. You just interpreted that. Did you catch it? I didn't interpret that verse for you. I read it to you. I read it to you. Until we all attain the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Would you say we're there yet? So do we need all five? Do we need apostles? Do we need prophets? Do we need teachers, evangelists, pastors? Yeah, not the three claw hand, right? Uh, we're going to go on a missions trip. I'm going to help people. We really need to build, uh, we need to raise funds for, for a building. Here we go. Let's, let's get the funds. Let's rake them in. Just rake them in because that's the best we can do. Now, the three-fingered hand is crippled. We've had a three-fingered hand in the church, teachers, pastors, and evangelists. Three-fingered hand. It's actually these three, so it's even worse. It's like, come here. I'm... Let me equip you. It's weird. We need apostles and prophets, amen? We need the whole fivefold so that we can grip the kingdom of God. Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. And if you're like, oh, okay, great. Uh-huh. That's awesome. I'm going to... You need to grasp the kingdom of God. The offices are here. I am here as an office to equip you for that. 
We have a team. That's why we're here. We're starting this church to equip you for these things. And this is what will happen. So that, continuing on the verse, we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. How does that sound? That sounds pretty good, right? By human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. We would not be carried away by those things. Rather, here's what will happen. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head. Come on, wouldn't you like to grow up as a church? Wouldn't you like to stop being so foolish? Wouldn't you like the church to like actually mature? It's what I live for. <laughs> grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when every part is working properly, makes the body grow. And here's the craziest moment. Are you ready for this? When every part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. I know I'm doing my job if I don't have to do my job anymore. I know I'm doing my job if I work myself out of a job. Where I'm, 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 I'm making your joints healthy. I'm, I'm working into your life these things so that you do it to others. And you build, the body builds itself up in love. And I hear testimonies of, yeah, they had a word of knowledge and they prayed for me. Or they just felt like they should call me. And because of that, I'm not, now my finances are, are straightened away because they gave me great advice and things like that. It's not you come to me and get free and all that stuff. It's let me come to you and fix you and chiropractically adjust you so that you can go to them. You're supposed to be sent. You're supposed to be a sent out one. It's not you come here. It's you go to them. That's what we're doing here, guys. We are an apostolic family. That's why we're here. And I want to see each part working properly. Making the body grow itself up. I mean, it sounds like the best plan ever. Like, you mean I don't have to do every counseling appointment? You mean I don't have to go to every hospital visit? You mean I don't even have to preach all the time? <gasps> awesome. Hey, guys, in the month of March, we're going to have four different people. All offices in this house who are speaking to you in March. Four different people. I'm only one of those four. I'm excited about that. If you're not excited about that, then you might have just missed the whole point of everything I just said. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this message from The Resting Place Tampa. We exist for the lost to be found, the found to be free, and peace to reign in our city. For more great resources like this, check out theRestingPlaceTampa.com.